Hi guys and welcome to this 10th episode of Trade Talks. I go about as Medici FX and in this episode I've got a trader from an Australian trading group called Opes Trading. I'll leave their details down in the description for you to check them out. So the trader's name is Alex and he'll be discussing his trading journey. We're going to be going over some psychological aspects and the retail versus institutional aspects and some technicalities which some of you might not know about. So without further ado, let's jump straight into the live podcast. See you there. Hi guys and welcome. So I've got Alex here on the podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. So uh, as we begin, I would actually want to first understand how you got into Forex. Maybe if you can outline your journey a little bit, some of the pitfalls you've experienced and yeah how you just share a little bit of how you got from zero to where you are right now cool um yeah i mean i got first introduced to forex uh by a university colleague of mine when i was in my um final year of studies um that one person was um was building his own like fund with two other of his colleagues at school and they were doing like algorithm trading um with like options and stuff and okay. I really got intrigued by what he was doing. And I was like, how did you get into trading? Because everything we studied at university, because I have a bachelor's in finance, right? Mm-hmm. And everything we studied was, okay, like there was financial markets, there was corporate finance, there was this and that. But none of it was really in, like about trading, you know? Like, so you had an idea about like stocks and how they appreciate or depreciate in value based on like fundamental analysis and, and whatnot. But they didn't really teach you how to trade based on like technical analysis or just day trading mm-hmm. on like leveraged accounts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So he told me, um, he, he just referred me to this book. I still remember it. It's called uh, Getting Started with Candlestick Charting by Tina Logan. Okay. So yeah, so I started reading that book. Um, first time I read it, I just, I just read through it. Mm-hmm. And then I read it a second time. And the second time I read it, I started taking notes, like highlighting things in the book, um, writing things on, on my notepad. And that's where I really got started with uh, trading. It's uh, it's about like technical analysis, but it was about like stocks and stuff. But okay. still, like I learned the technical analysis part of um, trading and stuff. Yeah. And then later on, I kind of like did a little bit of research on the internet. Um, we have this company called Groupon in, in Canada where you can get like discounts on a bunch of things. Yeah, we have the and same. I kinda, yeah, and I kind of found this like Forex course for like, I don't know, it was like 30 bucks or something. And it was like valued at, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars. Like, oh, that must be good, you know? Right. So <laughs> I took this course. It was like this Irish Irish guy giving out this course and... Honestly, like looking back at the course is pretty rubbish, <laughs> but it kind of introduced me to Forex because it was about Forex trading mm-hmm. and it kind of like introduced me to MT4 because after reading the whole book, like, I was like, okay, like where do I execute my orders? Like how do I get access to the financial markets? Like those are little yeah. details that you don't know when you first get introduced to that space. True. So anyways, I got introduced to MT4 to like support and resistance based on like the daily time frame. Um, he had like a risk management uh, scheme or pyramid kind of thing that you would follow to like minimize your risk. And, you know, if you want to scale into a trade, you have to make sure that your previous trades that are running, you've eliminated the risk. 
and whatnot. And I think I learned about like the average true range with uh, that course as well. Like, anyways, okay. it was very basic. And that's how I really got started. And then one of my friends at the time kind of spoke about Forex as well. I was like, oh, no way. You like, you, you know about, about Forex. And he had no background in finance or anything. And I was kind of lonely in that space. Like no one, no one, I didn't know anyone in that space at the time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I got, um, I, I was, no, no, I got to know, um, I got to know uh, one of my friends that used to do that. And we just started kind of like doing research together and trading together. And he, he was kind of more of the Instagram stalker and he got to introduce me to like people like QBanks and okay. a bunch of like, in like trading influencers. You probably know of them as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And like kind of started learning from their own stuff kind of, if you see a, if you see a screenshot of their charts or whatever i'll kind of like look at it i'm like okay trying to figure out like how did they like why did they enter at that point and kind of like reverse engineer what they did like yeah. i was re- like my whole process was self-taught trial okay. and error and i spent a lot of time on demo as well like i wanted to make sure that i can consistently make profit on a demo account before going on a real account right and when i was trialing on a demo i wasn't trialing on you know an amount that i wouldn't have uh started with, with Smart. Real money, you know what i mean yeah so like i was on just a thousand dollars you know on a demo taking micro lots mm-hmm. um it's sometimes it's a bit hard to risk manage with uh you know like a, a small thousand dollar account depending on like the stop losses you use yeah you know if you're risking one two three percent whatever it's kind of difficult sometimes yeah but anyways i started with that and then I start uh, at the end of my bachelor's. I kind of went to Australia um, for a couple of years. I got to know one of my good family friends, Philip. So um, he, he now owns uh, Opus Training Group. He's kind of like an educator. Um, yeah, I'll leave yeah, a uh, link in the description about that for everybody out there so they can check it out. Yeah, cool. So I kind of got... Um, I got to know him. He was in the cryptocurrency space and I was in the Forex and kind of told him about Forex. I'm like, I think you should get into Forex rather than that. And he kind of looked into it and fast track a few months and we were trading on a daily basis together learning Forex together, you know, like that's pretty cool. It's, it was a long journey. Like the learning journey for me, there was like a good, like six months where I was alone and a good like year, year and a half where I was trading on a daily basis with, Philip and uh, this other guy, um, uh, yeah, and we've learned a lot, like from each other's um, trades, each other's analysis, and uh, at some point, I, I was big on scalping, and I was right. introduced to that live stream uh, of uh, Raja Banks. Yeah, so but like when I first was introduced to Raja Banks and like his stream, he was on Twitch at the time, and there was yeah, like, I remember I don't that. Know, like 100, 150 streams now, they're up to like I don't know, two, three thousand on a daily exactly, basis, exactly. Yeah, but to me, I got a lot of a lot out of those live streams, especially for like price action and stuff, like waiting for candles to close. Um, I learned about like session times, you know, like times where there's higher volume, lower volume, and whatnot. I mean, kudos to him. He's doing it all for free, right? So pretty cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, they're kind of like, 
arrogant people and things like that but i respect you know what they do and stuff they've done a lot to the community true um so respect to them yeah um but yeah um i mean anyone that wants to get started with the forex at some point yeah you know they can they can start there yeah definitely um, I kind of, yeah i kind of like I've experienced a little bit of everything, you know, like scalping, intraday trading, and swing trading. Mm -hmm. I kind of combine everything I know to create one, like, ultimate, I guess, trading style. Like, I'll, I'll, right. I'll consider myself now more of like a scalper, intraday trader. Like, I don't go and catch, you know, five, ten pips or just 20 pips, you know what I mean? Like, I'll, yeah. I'm not afraid to, you know, have a, a wider stop loss because stop loss are irrelevant yeah right it just depends on how much you're risking and correct. you just you, you correct your uh your volume based on your uh stop loss yeah but um yeah i'm not afraid to risk you know 20 30 pips mm -hmm. sometimes 10 pips but as long as the risk to reward is there as long as structure allows you to you know kind of like catch at least you know at least one to one risk to reward but yeah. two to one you know yeah, and if you're taking partials along the way, of course it's eating out of your, uh, like your risk to reward. But at yeah. the end of the day, if you're making two to one or, or more, yeah, you're you're winning, right? I mean, so, still partials are better than a loss sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Or oh, you... and one of, yeah, and one of my important like trading styles that I traded for a long time, it's kind of, um, it looks a little bit like uh, your trading style as well. It was influenced by um, the FX cartel. And yeah. I kind of like looked into, you know, again, like on social media, they, they have charts posted. Yeah. Like if you really want to be successful in this space, you have to put, put in the work. You know what I mean? Like a Absolutely lot of people agree. just, they want it to be delivered on a silver platter. Like, here you go. This is a, a thousand dollar trade you can take. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. first of all, there's no guarantee. Second of all, like, if yeah. that's what you want, you're not going to get anywhere with it. Like, people will, I don't know, like, kind of sign up to, like, those signal services. Signal services yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. they'll just take, I feel like they'll just take the trades and, number one, not even follow risk management. Like, there's one disclaimer that you, you have to read and, like, have to follow. It's risk management, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, sec and second of all, I don't even think they, they'll go and kind of, like, study the, the signals like don't you exactly. want to be self-sufficient don't you want to learn from i mean i'm not signals, gonna lie i was there i took signals blindly so i'm not gonna you know hide it mm. how, so i do yeah. you know but i, I mean, mean i'm not gonna lie either i've i've subscribed to a lot <laughs> different like um signal service when when we first got started like me philip and you know some other of my friends yeah but I know for a fact I didn't take any of their trades in the signal because at first I want to see are they legit, you know, like do okay. they actually win, you know, long term. So I would just kind of monitor their signals and kind of try to reverse and, you know, okay, this is where they enter. So I kind of like look at different time frames trying to figure out like why are they putting out a signal for this? You know, that's what a I mean? good attitude. That's a really good attitude. That's, that's how I kind of like, like, yeah, this guy's rubbish. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Sorry. Excuse my language. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you really want to learn, you'll learn. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I really like the attitude because that's really like selective attitude. Because most people, if they jump on like signal services, they be taking it, they lose their whole account. And then they're like, yeah, the, the signal service is uh, bad. And then I'm like, yeah, but you kind of did it yourself. So, no, nah, that's pretty nice, man. Yeah, that's and like selective. I started, I started my own like kind of chart analysis group 
yeah um, I, I first did it for myself so i can kind of journal my trades and yeah and have like a, like a kind of like a physical documentation of of charts and trades that i take in right so mm -hmm. i first started with it was just me and and my uh and philip in the group mm -hmm. and i was just sending out like the charts with the pending orders and you know and whenever they went live i would say like they went live i was just doing that for myself yeah and obviously my friend he was in the group because i was showing him what i was doing yeah then at one point i was like man like this strategy has been working for a few months and it's consistent i think my my win loss ratio was somewhere around like 66 percent to like seven like 60 70 ish percent you know what okay. i mean which yeah. it wasn't the best but it still yielded profits at the end of each month you know what i mean which yeah. is what matters exactly so i just opened it up and slowly slowly like like very slowly yeah now i'm at like 210 people in the group but yeah. i kind of stopped um sending out those charts but like yeah. i don't know man i feel like people are so lazy like i don't even know if anyone really like went into my group kind of like scrolled all the way up I mean, kind of like i don't know man save those screenshots on your desktop study them you know? i agree like yeah i mean people want to be a spoon you can fed. learn so much just based off one screenshot you know what i mean absolutely and i started agree. putting yeah and i started putting a little bit more details on on my charts in the last i don't know since like may or whatever yeah um you know showing like fib like fibo um levels and mm -hmm. a little bit more information you know right i mean that's that's really up to the person if they if they want to learn or not absolutely but i also think that nowadays the people trying to get spoon fed everywhere and that's the kind of narrative you get from all the gurus and uh, those courses because i want to touch upon the course kind of a topic like nowadays yeah. you go on instagram and you see everybody like selling a course selling you but they're not really selling you knowledge just selling you something which is spoon fed but it's probably wrong as well because they don't know what they're doing that's yeah. right it's sad to see that like to get someone's attention yeah or at least like people on instagram or social media it's if let's say you're showing i don't know a ten thousand dollar trade or a ten thousand dollar um withdrawal or whatever it or is, a rented you know I mean? car like, that's what i mean like man it's easy to have first of all two demo accounts you know super what I mean? easy like, yeah you have two demo accounts you take the same trade but in the opposite direction every single exactly time, you know what exactly I mean? you're not showing you're not showing a track you're just showing a screenshot of profits being taken you know what i mean yeah second of all you can easily like okay i mean i hide my my lot sizes because it's irrelevant i'm trying to make it as mm -hmm. as pure as like what trading it is right yeah yeah but like i have my track record like i don't have anything to hide like it doesn't doesn't yeah. matter the amount of money you're making as long as you're making percentages over yeah. time because it's all relevant to the percent you're making yeah and if you don't have money it's okay like right. if you're just trading on a thousand dollars and you're getting 10 percent every single month well guess what now in 2020 you have these amazing companies that you can you know work with get yeah. funding yep. and get access to uh sums of money that first of all you're not attached to you don't have all that psychological you know like fear when you see like big numbers yeah, or big true. figures on your account going in the negative or whatever and what you've been doing on a thousand dollars now you can just do on a hundred thousand you know what i mean exactly yeah true but anyways there's a lot of people that can just easily put like like those sell limits especially with the mt4 platform there's so many things oh, you can yeah. do to like deceive people yeah 
and like you could just tell who who those people are just by looking at uh, through their feed and stuff you know like yeah no one's providing a verified track record for example but the, or the very few are yeah true but the worst part is is that the new people who are coming to the game don't know anything about that and they think that those who flex it are the ones that are making it yeah, I, I know. It's, it's it's sad. Like, it's sad. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder. I wonder how much more like exposure I could get if, let's say, I show like profits or 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 whatever. But I, I don't want that attention to to myself. I don't want. I, I don't know. I feel like people will turn an evil eye. Um, could be, yeah. Me, especially like people close to me. Like, I don't. It's not something that I. I mean, it's your own business. A, that's right. And like when you think of it, no one. No one in, like in in the normal life would go and put their paycheck on social media. Honestly, like, yeah, no, this, exactly. Yeah. I made I made this much like this week, or I made this much <laughs> this year. You know, like yes, like, true. When you think of it, if you see someone doing that, you're like, who the fuck are you, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. Yeah, but in forex, apparently that's normal. Yeah, no, agree. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with showing like here and there, like a profit, like a. I mean, it's uh, also something like to be profit. proud of, you know. Of course, but if that's all you're doing and kind of deceiving people, saying, "Hey, you want to make yeah, okay. thousand dollars a week? Yeah. Like, sign up to this or mm-hmm. blah blah blah." Like, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I, I mean, everyone has different like business models, of course. Yeah. And if it's working for them, good for them. Okay. But yeah. I don't need, like, me personally. I don't, I don't need to make money off of services like i might i might consider it later on yeah. to help people whatever yeah and obviously if i'm charging it is that i'm charging for my time and my effort into yeah. you know the idea yeah but that's not my source of income now. i'm not relying off that yeah so and you can also spot that in those people they will charge you like maybe three five ten twenty k for a course but then they're like trading micro lots kind of says it all <laughs> where yeah. they're getting their money from <laughs> Yeah, that's right um quick question what's your so you said you uh did demo trading yeah um so based on that what what's your opinion on the demo accounts yeah so like i said before i think it's really important because when you first get started into trading you don't know anything about risk management and trade management and all that stuff and it's it's quite easy to just blow your account right yeah. So unless you're unless you're okay with losing money, which, which is part of our trading, but I mean losing your entire account balance. Yeah. Um. Sure, you can you can do it based off a real account. Like, honestly speaking, my my friend Philip, he didn't he never traded on a demo account. He always had like a, a small balance when we first started trading. You understand? Okay. Um, I personally started on a demo account, and but I treated it as if it was a real account. So I just how did you manage to do that? Well, I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to like to manage it, I guess, because it's still a demo, right? Yeah. But I was doing it because I wanted that track record, let's say, on on a demo account. Okay. Like, just just saying, like, okay, at the end of the month, I made. Right at the end of each week, I'm making a certain amount of percent. Right. Cannot, like to give me an indication, cannot replicate that on a real account. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I started with demo, but really, what accelerated my learning curve 
and really elevated my trading was uh, um, a forex simulator. So I use Soft Four FX simulator. Yeah, it's like 100 US, 100 USD. You get two licenses for it, so you can split it with someone if you want. Yeah, but this is really what accelerated my trading. And what is it? Again, you just instead of like like live testing on a demo. Yeah, you can you can download. Um, you've never simulated uh, on a forex simulator. No, I actually haven't. I've only backtested on TradingView. Yeah, that's that's one thing. Do you backtest with like the bar replay or just backtesting by going back and kind of seeing what happens? Yeah, bar replay. Yeah, I have the bar replay option. Okay, so it's kind of like the bar replay option, but there's there's a lot more features into it. So like. Okay. You have an account balance. You can open like a certain percentage of the account per trade and kind of okay. manage your trade and all that stuff. Nice. And it's like you're printing. You can play the 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 candlesticks on like a one like like a real time, or you can fast forward it. You know, you can like real time. It, it would play like four hours at a time. That's right. Or you can fast forward it, right? Or just fast forward to the session times that you're focusing on and the times where you're actually trading. That's really like, cool. Essentially, essentially, what you're doing is you're simulating, let's say, a full week of trading or a full month of trading yeah. in a matter of hours. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that kind of took took away from you know trading on a demo account, like live in live conditions. Yeah. And and kind of learned. Okay, my strategy does work. Now it's just a matter of being patient in in live. Yeah, like in real minutes, in real time, because it's that's a big one. If you're sim yeah, if you're simulating on times, let's say twenty or times forty, things happen really quick. Exactly. You know, in the <laughs> yeah, true. And if you if if you miss that trade and whatever, and you're like, okay, my trading plan says I'll just wait until the next day, but in in real time, you're like, man, I fucking waited two hours for this <laughs> and I missed it. I want to so enter true. this trade, and then you just enter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big a big part of trading is just psychology like it if is you don't have the psychology for it the mindset yeah you're finished you know what i mean you're gonna make mistakes and those mistakes are gonna cost you yeah that's what i was gonna touch upon that most people they would go through maybe one to three years like learning the methodology and once they get their methodology uh under control they're gonna realize they're gonna hit a psychological barrier if they haven't hit one before and that's right. it doesn't really matter if they can take a uh, retest of a zone or like a breakout because they're going to be sitting there and being like, yo, I actually never really done this with real money yet. So, and then that's, that's going to cause them another couple of years unless they give up, I think. Yeah. So like anal being an analyst is, is one thing, but being a trader is a completely different thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You can be agree. well aware of, you can be a, a great analyst. I mean, you could be of good use to a trader, you know what I mean? You could provide analysis for, for someone and they can then make decisions based off it. Yeah. But being a trader is more about psychology, mindset, you know, trade and risk management. Yeah. Because, and execution, right? You have to execute on the idea. You can't have a FOMO or no. like fear of missing out, first of all, or fear of losing. Exactly. Those are all like things that I've experienced too. Like if you're journaling your trades on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. I've never physically done it, but something that I feel is really important is kind of documenting your your feelings or how you feel like before the trade, when you yeah. execute the trade, and during the trade. Because you kind of you can kind of look back and be like, yeah, if I can remove all these emotions out and just follow my analysis and and whatever, I could eliminate all this like 
yeah doubting myself or maybe because of this feeling i had i kind of closed my my trade early for example or whatever mm -hmm. i don't know those are important things like i kind of documented those things like in my head kind of aware of like you know how i felt before the trade obviously there's no emotions before the trade you're just analyzing the chart but then when it executes and you see a little bit of drawdown you're like oh, yeah man like what is this but exactly. drawdown is normal like it's I mean, maybe at some point I got used to having <laughs> no drawdown trades, but having drawdown is completely normal. You know what I mean? It's yeah, and even in simulation only... and backtest, you're not gonna feel that. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I agree there. Um, mm -hmm. Jumping on to uh, quickly retail traders who start off the game, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions retail traders have when jumping into forex? I think the biggest misconception, and it might be a topic for later on, mm -hmm. I think you mentioned it to me, is um, the conception about brokers. Okay. A lot of people say like your broker, like your broker makes money when you um, lose, right? Or yeah. But in a way, it is true depending on the broker you use. So if your broker uh, B books uh, their clients, that means they're you don't have direct access to their liquidity providers. They're just taking the opposite trade that you're taking yeah. to, ex to execute your trade, right? Because in the Forex market, it's a zero-sum game. So if someone's executing a buying order, there's someone Selling. that's willing to sell. Right? Yep. And so some brokers B-book you, but if you're looking at brokers that are um, NDD, so with no dealing desk, you get, like, you get the quotes from their liquidity providers and it's executed through there it's and they make their money through uh, the spreads and and the, the commission based off your volume okay. so for them as a business to be successful in the long term they want you to be successful right so that's why like big brokers usually have a lot of resources available to their um, traders i mean they're not necessarily the best ones but they have like an education section in their bro uh like on their website right because the more educated you are or the better of a trader you are, the longer you're going to stick around yeah. and the more trades you're going to take and the more volume you're going to be trading. Hence, they will be making more based off your volume. Yeah, right? that makes sense. Yeah. And a lot of that misconception is because people say like, oh, this is a manipulation. The broker manipulated the price. You know, they know where your stop losses are blah 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 mm -hmm. but like realistically i know where most retail traders stop losses are you know what i mean like they're obvious and it's all based off market structure it's right. obvious that people are going to put their stop losses above you know a certain market structure or whatever and if it <coughs> sorry if they enter into those trades a little bit earlier or whatever there is this um concept that they refer to manipulation but what it is it's it's just a liquidity pool or liquidity grab for um, the main move, right? So if the big institutions or like institutional traders, um, they're the ones moving the markets, not retailers, right? Yeah. And if there's if there's a if there's a lack of liquidity um, in the market, that's like I feel like that's basic um, basic knowledge for like uh, financial markets. I don't know if you you've seen this in school or whatever, but 
in stocks, you kind of see like those order blocks, right? So in the stock market, it's a much less liquid. And if let's say you're executing, I don't know, um, a million shares of like a, a small company or whatever, your order is not going to be filled instantly like we retail traders um, get filled for, for our, let's say, one lot right, or yeah. mini or micro lot, right? We yeah. get filled instantly. But when you're trading these huge um, uh, volume sizes, you don't get filled at the at the price that you currently have, right? Mm -hmm. So once a portion of your of your order is filled at let's say current price, well then it's gonna search for the the next best best price that's available for you to 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 fill. Let's say your buying orders, which is you know someone else's selling, like you know the bid and the ask and stuff. Right. So if let's say you have a million, let's say a, a million contracts. Mm -hmm. and it's getting filled in portions, well, it's going to fill at current price. But then let's say you're shorting, for example, it's going to be filled at current price, but then it's going to go at a higher price to then, to then get filled at the next best price. You know what I mean? Okay. And that's where, that's that's the concept of like, uh, like liquidity grab because there's a lack of liquidity. Price is spiking up to catch those order blocks Yeah. to then drop on right. on in the cell um, yeah. because that example is just a selling um, example and those happen usually during you know close to the years uh, like those in peak session times right so when the institutions kind of open their books yeah kind of position themselves for for the day or whatever um that's where these things kind of happen and if you can spot those it kind of gives away you know the direction right of the trade yeah but a lot of people think that's like your broker manipulating the price, um, stopping you out, stealing your money or whatever. But yeah, like I would say 95% of people don't even know what I just talked about. <laughs> no, I mean, that's true because most people would say like, yeah, I'm going to buy a sell here and then the broker is going to try to wick me out and then uh, go against me. I hear that a lot in courses. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's a lack of liquidity in the markets and it's grabbing you know, those institutional orders are getting filled right? Um, at whatever price is available. So that's that's the whole like, right. idea behind it, I guess. Appreciate the information share. This is uh, definitely something new for the people out there because I'm pretty sure no one heard this on, the, on yeah. this podcast yet. Um, let's dive into the topic that I've introduced before to you. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, so this is a long structured question. So bear with me. So what um do you think like the the main difference is between retail and institutional trading uh like talking about in terms of mechanical approach information supplied like upper hands for institutional party is there any upper hands maybe for the retail party and also the big aspect of emotions is it that maybe in uh, what's it called? Institutional trading, they, there's less emotion because it's more structured mechanical approach and it's the emotion and the psychology that kills the retail traders in comparison to the longevity of like maybe uh, institutional traders. Could you maybe like talk about this or any misconception there might be about all of this, if this is even correct, you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, I Feel think free. first of all... Yeah. Sorry? No, mm -hmm. feel free to ask the question because it was long. So if you need to, need yeah, to repeat if, something. If, I'm, if I kind of miss on answering a part of your question, just like remind cool. me of that. Cool, <laughs> yeah, sure. But I think 
most importantly, let's say like people talk a lot, a lot about the institutions being the banks and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like technically speaking, banks, or at least I know here in Canada, with with the regulation, with the the big banks, right? Some people say like, yeah, you're up against the banks and all, and all that stuff. But really, banks they they service clients, right? Yeah, they're they're not legally allowed to speculate on on a, on well, whatever asset they're trading, right? They're not speculators. They they service their clients, mm-hmm. and depending on their exposure, in general, like in whatever books they're they're trading, they have to hedge or or not. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's um, I mean, they can kind of speculate in a way. Let's say their book is exposed to a certain currency, yeah. based off different um, products that they they kind of service their clients. It could be like options, it could be commodities, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Because currencies is kind of related to everything, and they can be exposed to currency risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and if let's say their book is exposed, um, I don't know, let's say to uh, the yen, for example, mm-hmm. and they they feel like. In, on, in like the speculative um, approach that like it's okay to be exposed to that extent yeah. um, they'll keep it exposed towards it because maybe they think yeah the yen's going to be in our favor in the long term so it's okay but if let's say there are traders that think that they're too exposed um, towards a currency and they need to hedge you know they're going to protect themselves against the exposure that they have to the yen so, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they can hedge against the exposure yeah. they got, yeah. but they can't necessarily take positions speculating. But if they're already exposed to that currency and they're like, okay, we believe that we're in the right direction, for example, yeah. it's kind of a form of speculation, but they're not physically taking orders, you know, because right, they wanna, yeah. they're speculating that the price of the yen is going to increase in value. They're, they've already been exposed to the yen. Mm-hmm. So they just keep, keep that exposure. Right. Um, because at the banks, uh, I have, well, one of my best friends works, um, on the trading floor in Toronto with, uh, Bima, Bank of Montreal, works on the, um, equities and, uh, derivative, uh, derivative product desk. Okay. And he, yeah. And he kind of explained to me like how, like they service clients and they act like they're not brokers per se, yeah. but they're more like, you know, liquidity providers to their, you know, like i guess institutional clients the clients that trade you know massive volumes yeah and and yeah they kind of like send out information to them and then they just execute their orders in the market and yeah so that's one misconception like the banks aren't trading against you it's really more like i mean like you have the hedge funds of course but then hedge funds to answer your question of like mechanical approach or or whatever Mm -hmm. i feel like in today's age or in today's time a lot of it is automated um we have like some of the best like software engineers and like algorithm trade like coders or whatever building those massive systems and they just eliminate this whole like human like factor to trading right yeah, and it's just it's just automated at this at this point. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how much, how big I guess like the manual trading is still in the space of like hedge funds and whatnot. I think I'm rather sure small. Is. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure like there's still a portion of 
you know, manually opening trades, but based off of an automated system kind of giving you um, signals or, or yeah but not not many i've talked to a couple of uh, yeah investment bankers and they really say really really tiny amounts like kind of left yeah yeah that's right but then but then people think that like it's better to trade institutionally than being a retailer and whatnot but really you're not really like as a sorry as a retail trader you're free to trade as you please, right? You can hold a trade for 30 minutes if you want to hold a trade for 30 minutes. Yeah. Right? With institution, it's more like longer term. Yeah. Like you you look at things on a quarterly basis or a yearly basis and yeah. you're accumulating big, big orders and stuff. Right? Yeah. As also, a retailer, you're more free with your trading stock kind of thing. You're not, true. there's no clients, you're on the other side of it. Or you're not servicing anyone. You just—it's your money. It's your account. You can do what you want, and you have a lot more flexibility. True, but I also think as a like retailer, someone trading for themselves, let's say a CFDs, you can still trace down like where the algos had their uh, blocks, and you can't—you yeah. can't act on that, which does kind of yeah maybe give extra to the retailers, giving them a little bit more information than they already have. I guess, because mm-hmm. yeah. technically speaking, we all have, you know, the same amount of information that we trade based off. But obviously, with institutions, they have like huge subscription with Bloomberg or Computers yeah. or all these other resources that for a retail trader spending, let's say, um, twelve thousand dollars a year for something, and if you're just trading. I don't know, thousand dollar account or ten thousand dollar account. Five thousand is a big portion of your account balance, right? If you're trading, let's say a hundred thousand, twenty thousand, or a million, five thousand is is a small portion of your account balance. So you can afford, you know, getting this information. It allows you to get that information in a more correct, yeah, rapid fashion. You know, because you'll still get that information as a retailer. There's a lot of free resources like Forex Live or. On entry juice, um, but later, you know, but, delays. Yeah, that's right. But sometimes, sometimes it's just a, like a matter of, of seconds, right? There yeah. Are manual traders, where if you have algorithms and and you're acting on like, you know, news or words being said by like specific people and whatnot. Yeah. Then yeah, of course you have to invest in you know information, that, like data. But many, but most traders will not get to that level, I guess. I reckon. No, or yeah, I don't know. If if you're a retail trader and you start trading like big volumes, I mean, you can definitely afford. I know there's one called uh, from Thompson Reuters. It's like Thompson Raken or something. Yeah. It's around like four or five k a year, um, rather than spending twenty k on Bloomberg, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's affordable, especially if you're let's say trading. Uh, maybe like two hundred thousand and up, because five thousand would be like true. 20%, yeah, no, makes sense. Is, yeah, you can you can make the two hundred percent in a month, like let's say a month, for example. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, it's not costing. It's it's not a big portion of your account balance. It's like it's like owning a business, right? Are you buying like I don't know a machine that will take you forever to pay back, or you you can pay it back with a matter of just a, like a short period of time? You know? Yeah, it's just an investment. Yeah. But 
before any of that, I, I think people just have to kind of just get on the free kind of information out there and just be willing to just learn uh, from all the free things out there without just trying to go for the best out there because they probably don't know what they're doing with the free things anyways. That's right. It's also like knowing what to do with that information. Like a lot of people... True. Like, like you see those free resources on YouTube about like how to train news, for example, <laughs> like basic things like, oh yeah, if interest rates are being cut, for example, this is what's going to happen to your to the currency because in in like basic micro and macroeconomics, if your interest rates going lower, your currency is less attractive. Yeah. But that's not really how it works. Like, yes, you're right with that theory that you just gave me, but it's all about market anticipation and how much of that being anticipated has been priced in already, right? Exactly, it, yeah. It's been a month or two that they're talking about cutting interest rates and there's 90% chance that it's being cut and like the consensus is like that they are cutting the interest rate. Then, yeah. Well, guess what, mate? Like they're going to cut the interest rate. You're going to be, let's say, shorting that currency, but it might spike down a little bit, but then it's going to fly up. You know what I mean? And you exactly. just lost um, money on that. But it's all about, you know, market consensus. And is it, is it, was it a surprise, right? Because with, um, in the financial markets, like theoretically, everything is priced in, every information is priced in to the current price you're looking at. Yeah. So if there's um, not an anomaly, but something unexpected that happens, we call those like shocks or whatever. Yeah. Then that's going to change the direction of uh, the, the currency, for example. Yeah. Quite significantly, right? Because Correct. that information wasn't priced in until now when it was just presented to you you know what i mean absolutely it was and, like uh, yeah. back in the day nfp used to yield you could go like 200 pips on one of those releases and now yeah those were yeah those things were ridiculous but i never really traded news that way like it was just it was just a gamble like honestly i mean yeah i mean <laughs> i guess but now yeah 20 pips you get what maybe 20 30 pips off of it but even if it moves yeah yeah totally but it's really again it's really about like anticipating or kind of like, yeah what you said the news on a, like a monthly basis right so you know exactly like, like at a macro level what's going on with monetary policy and, and whatnot and then yeah what's going on at a micro level for example with i don't know like the different like threats that are given out by Trump and China because you can kind of like ride the wave with market sentiment and whatnot. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of information. Most people don't know how to use it. It's not because you're paying for information that you're going to make better trading decisions. You better you know, know what you're doing with yeah. resources and then using paid sources. Yeah, it's like giving a man a fishing rod, not teaching him what to do with it, you know? yeah it's a good good example so yeah so then all in all kind of then for people uh, coming into trading you would say then understand what you're using the tools for and just appropriately use them is there anything else you would tell people getting into this as uh, tips maybe um I don't know if I'm missing something but I think yeah it was clear yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I guess so then. I mean, yeah, appreciate all this information. A lot of new information for everyone out there. No I um, mean, 
down the line, it's it's something that I thought of. Me and Philip were thinking of as well, like starting a, a subscription based um, uh, service. Yeah, you know, kind of consolidating the importance um the news that was released on the like a session uh, basis like the asia session the london session the new york session yeah so kind of like filtering out what's unnecessary and keeping the you know what's more relevant and yeah kind of delivering it to the clients so like as a retail trader if you really take this as a, a business for example you know paying let's say a hundred dollars a month for this service represents such a little portion absolutely of, yeah your account balance and like in the long term it just allows you to kind of filter out all the bullshit like if you're not used to like having all this information available to you you don't know which one to take or which one to kind of ignore or just be like yeah that's irrelevant whatever this this same piece of information has been given on like a weekly basis for the last two months so like markets aren't reacting to those you know what i mean yeah kind of like yeah we were kind of thinking about it um kind of put the idea on hold um i mean that's a good idea yeah it's it's really time consuming for the time being and we're both focusing on on, on our own projects yeah and we might we might be coming out with it in in the near future maybe if we can kind of like outsource kind of the the heavy lifting to maybe um an employee or something yeah i think it's it would be a good service for you know, retail traders taking taking trading, you know, just seriously because fundamental analysis and you know all this information is really important. Because now I'm getting a bit like technical with trading, but technical analysis is very good, right? Yeah. But if there's fundamentals involved yeah. at that point in time where your technical analysis is telling you something, or your technical analysis doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Until that piece of news comes out, or if that new piece of news comes out, and you're at, I don't know, like a sell zone on your chart, well, fundamentally, it's just gonna, it's gonna blast through your resistance level, yeah. or your trend line, or whatever you're basing your trade off, right? Yeah. And one really good example of that is AUD NZD. There was like a major trend line, like a weekly or a daily trend line, a couple maybe a month ago or so okay but then fundamentally they came out with this divergent monetary policy so like new zealand was looking into and they are they will be going into negative interest rates um, okay. in the next year or two whereas australia and the reserve bank of australia aren't so there's clearly like a divergent yeah it's called a divergent monetary policy stance and clearly like the australian dollar is going to gain value over the new zealand mm-hmm. on a lot like a really like macro level so like knowing that information you know that maybe you could have had a small reaction off of that trend line and level that you were trading off but long term or like you know a swing position or a much bigger position was yeah you know, going long on that yeah. trade because you want to favor the aussie over the new zealand exactly uh, yeah so yeah i mean Makes knowing sense. Knowing that, like that kind of information sometimes can save you a lot of money and make you much more, you know what I mean? Yeah, true. Uh, what about for yourself? Because I know you've uh, cleared a couple of those funded accounts. What do you use for your... Do you pay for services or do you use free services or how do you go about it? Um, at first, a while back, I kind of trialed um, Ransquark or okay. Newsquark. I think they, they rebranded. Mm-hmm. Um, tried it for a month i really i do like it 
But honestly, I didn't feel the necessity of it. It's not that expensive. I think it's like 100 USD or 150 USD a month if you just get like the the forex package. Yeah. Because they have like at least package and fixed income and whatnot. But um, no, I didn't feel like it was necessary at the time. Um, I currently use uh, Forex Live, ah, which okay. is like, yeah, people, well, there's a few like analysts um, that publish, you know, articles and they have the access to NewsCorp, Bloomberg, or whatever those huge like paying um, services, right? Yeah. And they kind of already filter out kind of the information. Yeah. Um, but still, from what they publish, you kind of have to filter out things as well. You do, you do, yeah, true. Yeah, and um, I use as well uh, for like a, a, a news clock style service. Um, there's this thing called Financial Juice. Ah, uh, yeah. Which they're kind of new. Um, I don't really use the squawk a lot, um, but I have it in there just in case. Sometimes you don't see things on your, uh, like your economic calendar. I yeah. I use the Facebook calendar, yeah. by the way. Um, especially now with like Brexit and like all the, like, there's like a lot of like speeches or people True, talking yeah. about like an important topic it's not on the economic calendar but you can spot these on forex live you know if you if you're following news and stuff yeah um but yeah those are the kind of the tools i use okay but um yeah nice that's interesting yeah same i guess we're on the same wave there i mean i think a lot of retailers know about yeah um, that resource i mean it's or Twitter. Yeah, I use Twitter for a bit, but Twitter's like you have people, you know, they have their own books in um, like that they want to take care of, and they kind of put in like their personal opinion on it. Yeah, there's a lot of noise. That's right. So again, it's about filtering, you know, the the bullshit and yeah, taking in the the real stuff. Or it's just knowing that what they're saying. Is not necessarily it, but if it goes hand in hand with what you were thinking, you can use that as confidence, right? Yeah. But it's not like, oh, this person is saying this about, let's say, the US dollar. Yeah. So I'm going to go with exactly. whatever he's saying and blindly. No, that's not how it works. Yeah. You don't know what's how he trades it, for example. Like, it might just be a thought that he has, and in the long term, he'll be looking at, let's say, going against the US dollar, but it doesn't mean. Right now, at this second, he took a short position on, on the exactly, US yeah. Where we're not, we're trading leverage products, and you know, depending on how much volume you take, what, where's your stop loss? Yeah, you, you can blow your entire account in a matter of like hours or even seconds. Yep, it depends how hard you try. That's right. No, yeah, great. I mean, once again, really appreciate the info that you threw for everyone out there. Um, no. I hope you guys uh, learned something because there's actually things that you haven't heard before. So take note of it and uh, possibly do some research on your own about it. Uh, mm -hmm. So on this note, we're going to have uh, an end to our podcast. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. And um, on this note, stay tuned, guys. There's more to come and uh, I'll see you on the next one.